Welcome to the Old Time Radio Hour on Sid Valley Radio. This is Sid Valley Radio. This week on the Old Time Radio Hour, we'll be listening to a half hour of comedy, followed by a 30 minutes variety show. So, just sit back and relax. As we revisit the truly golden age of radio. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. And we take this joyous opportunity to wish you a glorious Merry Christmas. And now, our Miss Brooks. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks, written by Al Lewis. Well, most of us spent Christmas Eve with our families and friends. But our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, wasn't quite so fortunate. No, my family was too far away to visit, and it seems my friends had other plans. But I made up my mind not to brood about it, and was trimming a rather tiny tree in our living room when my landlady, Mrs. Davis, joined me. What a nice tree, Connie. It isn't really, Mrs. Davis, but it's the only one I could afford. Oh, what did you pay for it? I found it in a vacant lot. <laughs> what I like about it is the size. It's not too big or too small. It's just too small. <laughs> I'd like to stay here and celebrate Christmas Eve with you, Connie, but I promised my sister Angela I'd come over to her place. You remember Angela, the absent-minded one? Oh, certainly, Mrs. Davis. She always got a big thrill out of the holidays, even when we were girls. Of course, the poor dear could never remember when it was actually Christmas. And one Christmas morning, she did the funniest thing. What's that, Mrs. Davis? What's what, dear? <laughs> what did Angela do? Angela. Your sister. My sister. The absent-minded one. What did she do? I haven't spoken to Angela in some time. <laughs> what has she been up to? That's what I'd like to know. Maybe I can refresh your memory. Christmas morning, Angela did the funniest thing. Christmas morning isn't until tomorrow, Connie. <laughs> you must be confused. Well, don't worry about it. I only get these spells once in a while. <laughs> well, you shouldn't let it go, Connie. If you don't mind my offering a little advice, I'd like to suggest that you train your mind to concentrate more. I'll do it, Mrs. Davis. <laughs> now, I've developed a little scheme which works wonders for me. Supposing you have trouble remembering where you put things around the house. Well, you just keep repeating the location to yourself with a sort of rhythm. For example, I just chant to myself, the mustard's in the closet, the bread is in the box. The mustard's in the closet, the bread is in the box. The mustard's in the closet, the bread is in the box. Now, isn't that simple? Oh. Mustard's in the closet, the bread is in the box. That's wonderful, Mrs. Davis. If anybody wants a mustard sandwich, you're really ready. Yes. Now, uh, before I do anything else, I want to invite you to join me tonight. Join you? Yes, dear. I'm going over to, uh, uh, to, uh... Angela's house? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> She's so cute with that little absent mind of hers. <laughs> Why, sometimes she forgets what she's talking about right in the middle of a sentence, and, uh, oh, dear me, I hope that cat's got enough milk. Well, I'm sure if we, uh... <laughs> but then, maybe someday, or if it doesn't seem too... And that's why I can't join you tonight. <laughs> Thanks anyway, Mrs. Davis. I'll just spend a quiet evening at home here. But how about Mr. Boynton? Don't tell me he was too shy to ask you for a date on Christmas Eve. Why do you think there's mistletoe on all four walls? <laughs> no, Mr. Boynton asked me all right, but then he canceled yesterday. Said he's going upstate to visit his folks for a couple of days. But don't worry about me, Mrs. Davis. I'll have a gay time. I'll listen to the radio, read, and from this window, I can see our neighbor's television antenna. <laughs> but what about the little gifts you've got for Walter Denton and Mr. and Mrs. Conklin and Harriet? When are you going to deliver them? Oh, they told me not to bother. They said we'd exchange on the 26th. The 26th? But I don't think the day after Christmas is the time to exchange gifts. You don't? 
You should see the department stores. <laughs> What's that, Mrs. Davis? It's Minerva. Where are you, dear? Oh, she's over by the tree. Here, Rover, uh, Minerva. <laughs> Isn't it the strangest thing how she bites at the pine needles? I guess the rosin in them appeals to her. I'd swear she likes the taste of it. I guess to her it's like a Tom and Jerry, or rather a Minnie and Mickey. <laughs> come on, Minerva, come on over here. We might as well get friendly. We're going to spend the evening together. <laughs> well, I'll be running along now, dear. I hope you won't feel too lonely. Oh, I'll be fine, Mrs. Davis. After all, I do have an imagination. I'll hang my stocking up in a little while, and then when I'm pretending that I'm asleep, I'll sneak in and fill it. <laughs> oh, before you know it, it'll be midnight. Midnight of Christmas Eve. I can just picture it. A short, short, thin man in a black suit comes sliding down the chimney with an empty bag. St. Penniless, the schoolteacher's Santa Claus. <laughs> well, at least you're not bitter. Now, Connie, about my... <laughs> my sister, uh... Angela. Uh, oh, thank you, dear. About my sister, Angela. Yeah? Good night, Dorothy. <laughs> Good night, Bernice. <laughs> oh, stop drinking those pine needles, Minerva. Come on over here. There's a good kitty. Now I'll just settle down in Mrs. Davis's rocker and we'll have ourselves a nice, quiet rock. I've got to exercise more. My bones are rusting. <laughs> oh, it's the rocker. It's kind of soothing at that. <sighs> you seem contented enough, Minerva. <laughs> Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. <laughs> Oops, sorry, Minerva. <laughs> I didn't mean to upset you, Minerva. Oh, gosh, I'm sleepy. Now, who can that be? Expecting anyone, Minerva? That's funny. There's nobody here. I'm here. Where? Oh, leaning on my knee. <laughs> what can I do for you? Well, I'm a salesman, but I don't believe in giving any sales talk or sob stories. All I do is tell you what I'm selling, and if you want to buy, okay, if not, okay. Okay? What are you selling? Well... It's Christmas Eve, and I'm just a small urchin, a little on the underprivileged side, and I'm trying to make a few dollars to get some wood to heat our tiny apartment so that while she's singing to my three sick sisters, my mother's lips don't turn blue. <laughs> That's what I like, no sob story. <laughs> You're selling handkerchiefs, I'll take six. Oh, no, ma'am, I'm selling Christmas trees. They're only a dollar a piece. But I've already got a Christmas tree. Then I'll make it 50 cents. But I don't need... How about a quarter? Look, little boy. Well, payments can be arranged. <laughs> oh, please take one, ma'am. These aren't ordinary trees, you know. They're magic. Magic? Yes, ma'am. You'd be surprised what miracles will happen to you if you buy one. Well, a quarter isn't too much to pay for a miracle. It's 50 cents. <laughs> I thought you said 25 That's when you sounded tougher to sell <laughs> Oh, well, before I melt down, down to my coal buttons and the stovepipe hat, here's 50 cents well, You won't be sorry, ma'am Here's the little tree Say, it is kind of cute at that Would you like to come in and help me set it up? I can't, I've got to get right home My sitter's been alone long enough Sitter? <laughs> well, what about your mother and the firewood? Well, that's just a routine my folks are attending a dinner the other bank presidents have given for father. <laughs> With the pitch you've got, you'll have your own bank by the time you're 12. Oh, thanks a lot. Good night, lady, and Merry Christmas. Same to you, you little underprivileged millionaire. <laughs> oh, I'll put this tree over here. Maybe we can find some extra trimmings for it in the morning. Yeah. Minerva, will you stop gnawing on those pine needles? I wish I knew what made them so appetizing to her. <laughs> oh, fine Now you come over here and let those things alone There we are Well, I guess I'm not the only one that's spending Christmas Eve alone Without family or friends But who can tell? Maybe Santa Claus has something up his big red sleeve That I don't even know about yet 
course, I do have a squeaky rocker and Minerva. Jingle bells, jingle bells, and merry stuff like that. Oh, what fun it is to rock with a big, fat, drunken cat. (laughs) As I sat in the living room Christmas Eve with Minerva the cat on my lap, I couldn't help noticing that the tree which I'd bought from that wealthy urchin had a rather peculiar luminosity. Although there wasn't any artificial illumination, it seemed to glow from deep down in its branches. As I rocked back and forth, I started to get very drowsy. Hmm. Little boy said this tree was magic, Minerva. No. I don't believe it either. Still, it is Christmas Eve, and... Some very strange things have happened on Christmas Eve. <sighs> hmm? what, what? What's that? Oh, I, I must have been dozing. Coming! Well, it's Walter Denton. Come in, Walter. Noel, Noel. Joy, you is Noel. <laughs> Gracias. Come on into the living room, Walter. Ah, thanks, Miss Brooks. Here, I brought you this little gift to put under your tree. Oh, that was very thoughtful, Walter. Put it under this tree over here. Okay. Say, you've got two trees, haven't you? Yes, one for Minerva and one for me. Yeah. What? Don't pay any attention to her. She's pine needle happy. Um, Well, Miss Brooks, as you know, I was supposed to spend the evening nestled snugly in the tight little confines of my own small immediate family circle. Oh, for heaven's sakes, come out of there. You're giving me claustrophobia. (laughs) But I went to my father and mother and crowed their permission to come over... Wait a minute, Walter. You crowed their permission to... Yeah, Crave, craven, crove, isn't it? <laughs> oh, Walter, of course not. Crave, crave. Let's see. Crave, craven. After you crove their permission, what happened? <laughs> well, they waved my presence for a long enough while for me to deliver to you, Miss Brooks, the little token of my esteem and affection, which is now ensconcing under the tree. Walter, are you still in my English class? <laughs> well, sure, Miss Brooks. Well, I'd better bone up a little. One of us is going to flunk this term. <laughs> well, it isn't just the gift, Miss Brooks. That's not the only thing that brought me wayfaring from the warmth and conviviality of my own heart. Oh, please don't start that again. I'm glad you dropped over, Walter. And if you want to spend the rest of the evening with your folks, oh, why you Oh, there's no go... rush with them. They've got my present under our tree already. Now... What I'd like to say, Miss Brooks, though, is something I've wanted to say for a long while. Yes, Walter? Now, it's a little on the sentimental side, perhaps, for a so-called hep high school boy to be telling a teacher, but it's sincere, Miss Brooks. I'm sure it is. It's something I feel deep down inside of me, Miss Brooks, from whence so many of one's warmer emotions stem. That's whence they stem from, all right. (laughs) Of course... Even if it does seem over-sentimental or even downright sticky, Christmas Eve (laughs) seems to be the time that you can say things like this and not sound over-sentimental or sticky. Christmas Eve is the time to say them. I just hope I hear them by New Year's Eve. (laughs) What I want you to know, Miss Brooks, is that I'm grateful. For what, Walter? For my association with you during the past semester at Madison High School. Well, thank you, Walter. I've tried to be a capable teacher. Oh, your teaching was nothing. What? (laughs) Oh, I don't mean scholastically. No, as a teacher, you were very adequate. I mean personally. The interest you took in me and my problems. For that, I could never thank you if I lived to be a hundred. Of course, you'd be gone a long time by then. (laughs) Merry Christmas to you, too. (laughs) You don't know what it's meant to me to have your ear whenever I needed it. Oh, it was nothing, really. I have another one. (laughs) Especially about girls. Gosh, you remember how silly I used to act about girls? Every time one of them looked at me, I giggled like a kid. And then, overnight, I matured. 
I met the one woman who really mattered. Harriet Conklin. <laughs> she certainly made something out of you, Walter. I don't know what, but something. You saw me through the difficult transition period of that amour as well. While Harriet and I were adjusting to one another... It was wonderful to be able to come down to you for advice, Miss Brooks. It isn't every boy who has such an interest taken in him by some intelligent elderly person. Give me back my ear. I can't hear you. Not that you're ancient or anything. Gosh, I've seen girls who don't look as good as you do. Girls? <laughs> what do you think I am? <laughs> Shut up, Minerva. <laughs> By the way, Miss Brooks, I see you got lots of mistletoe on the walls. Were you expecting Mr. Boynton tonight? Yes, Walter, I was. We were going for a wheelchair ride together. <laughs> but he had to visit his folks upstate. His folks? Gosh, they must be well along in years. His father's over 50. They may shoot him next spring. <laughs> Look, Walter, while you're here, you might as well pick up the little gift I got for you. Oh, but Miss Brooks, you shouldn't have. Where is it? <laughs> Under the tree on your right. It isn't much, just a remembrance. Oh, gee, I almost forgot. I can't open it yet. Why not? Oh, you mean you want to put it under your tree at home and open it with your family? Oh, not exactly, but... Well, I'll get it later, Miss Brooks. Oh, there they are now. I'll answer it. There who are now? Come on in, folks. She was all alone when I got here. But it's really a surprise, isn't it? We should have stayed home Christmas Eve. Besides, it's freezing out. Now, Osgood, don't be so grouchy. Hello, Miss Brooks. Merry Christmas. Why, it's Mr. and Mrs. Conklin. And Harriet, how are you all? I'm cold. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. Come here, Minerva. Rub up against Mr. Conklin. <laughs> What's that? What are you... Go away, cat. Why, she seems to like you, Osgood. Or is she hungry, Miss Brooks? She's not that hungry. I don't like cats. Why doesn't she go chase a mouse or something? Well, you forget, Mr. Conklin, this is Christmas Eve. There isn't one stirring. Say, hey, Harriet. Yes, Walter? There's a lot of mistletoe around this room. I know. It's real pretty. Ah, good. Notice all the mistletoe in this room? What? Oh, oh, that green stuff. Yeah. More often than not, it makes me sneeze Oh, come on, Osgood, let's see if it does Oh, now, Martha, don't embarrass me so It doesn't make I... you sneeze, does it, Harriet? I'm willing to find out Here's a nice wreath of it on this wall Yeah Well, here we are <laughs> Yeah, here we are <laughs> May I, Mr. and Mrs. Conklin? If it's all right with Harriet, it's all right with us. Oh, come on, Walter. We're getting old. <laughs> Gosh, you're sweet, Harriet. Oh, isn't that cute, Osgood? Come here, dear. How about one for your faithful old wife? Well, it is customary, I guess. <laughs> uh, I'm under the stuff. Now, pucker up, dear. Very well. Yeah. Yeah. I, you see, I, 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 I told you. <laughs> now, let's stop this romantic drivel and act like adult human beings. Miss Brooks, I'd like to take advantage of this visit to inquire as to your plans for the coming year's classwork. Do you have your schedule all laid out? Well, frankly, Mr. Conklin, I haven't had much chance to work on anything. Haven't had much of a chance. But you've been away from school all week. Your vacation started last Monday. I know, Mr. Conklin, and that's what I took the week as. I mean, a vacation is something you go on when you get the opportunity to. You don't work on it or during it. Unless, even though I didn't actually go anywhere, when my vacation came along, I went on it or was on one. Usually. <laughs> and you wanted to be the head of the English department. Please, Osgood, this is no time to talk of school affairs. We're here to spend part of our holiday with Miss Brooks. It was very nice of you to think about me, Mrs. Conklin. It was nice of all of you. Where are Walter and Harriet? Denton, 
Get my daughter away from that mistletoe at once. But, Mr. Conklin, Harriet isn't allergic to mistletoe. No, but I'm allergic to you. <laughs> Harriet's almost irresistible sometimes, especially alongside of older women like Mrs. Conklin and Miss Brooks. <laughs> Saved by the bell. I'll get it. Why, Mr. Boynton, come in. Oh, thanks, Miss Brooks. I thought you were going upstate to see your folks. Well, I was, but they sent me a wire that they wanted to come down here for a week or so. They'll arrive in the morning, so I thought I'd drop this little gift off for you tonight. Oh, but you shouldn't have. Where is it? <laughs> Let's just put it under the tree in the living room. Look who's here, everybody. Well, it's Mr. Boynton. Hi there, Mr. B. This is nice. Hello, Boynton. <laughs> Hello, folks. This is beginning to get more like Christmas Eve every minute. Sit down, Mr. Boynton. I'm certainly glad your folks decided to visit you instead of vice versa. Oh, so am I. There's a particularly good reason why I'm glad. There is? Well, yes. It gives me a chance to see how my guinea pigs are affected by this cold snap. <laughs> so far, they haven't reacted at all. What do you expect them to do, blow on their paws? <laughs> Miss Brooks? Have you pointed out the mistletoe to Mr. Boynton? Oh, why don't you stop that nonsense, Martha? <laughs> it isn't nonsense. Mr. Boynton, look at the mistletoe. Mistletoe? Oh, oh, yes, a very interesting example of the flora found in various areas throughout the globe. <laughs> An evergreen parasitic shrub, it is indigenous to the regions where apple trees and oaks abound. Now that the lecture is over, may we ask questions? Well, certainly, Miss Brooks. Want to stand under it? <laughs> stand under it? Well, you see, because of certain characteristics in its makeup, an allergy is sometimes aggravated by its presence. I'll take a chance if you will. Come on, Mr. Boynton. Yeah, come on, Mr. Boynton. Uh, just bring him over to this wall here. <laughs> uh, I'll get under it if you like. Well, don't just stand there. Can't you see Miss Brooks is cooking? Well, don't fuss for me. I couldn't eat a thing. <laughs> Mr. Boynton, don't you know what standing under the mistletoe signifies? Well, I know what it signifies to most people, but to me it's just... <laughs> well, there goes 85 cents worth of mistletoe. Hey, I know what let's do. Let's open up the presents right now. Swell. A splendid suggestion, Walter. Uh, uh, shouldn't we wait until just before we leave? Might be less embarrassing that way. Well, if you want to open them now, I Golly, this one tree is pretty crowded. I'll put some of these packages under this little one over here. Look out, Walter. You're bumping into one of the branches. Look out. Gosh, I got the funniest feeling when I touched that branch. What kind of a feeling, Walter? Well, you're Harriet Conklin, aren't you? Well, sure, I'm Harriet Conklin. Walter, what's the matter with you? Nothing. Nothing's the matter with me. It's just that I want to tell you something. Harriet, you've got to change. You ought to try to be more like Miss Brooks. What do you mean, Walter? If you want me to stay interested in you, you've got to be more alluring, youthful, glamorous, feminine in that real feline Brooks way. Walter, have you been drinking pine needles, too? <laughs> Look at that tree. It, it seems to be glowing. What do you mean, glowing? Just a reflection from the streetlights. This party is giving me the memes. <laughs> Holidays, indeed. Here, I'll just move the tree where it won't glisten in our eyes. There we go. <laughs> ho, ho, ho! <laughs> Merry Christmas! Why, Mr. Conklin. Of course I'm Mr. Conklin. Happy-go-lucky, fun-loving, gag-a-minute Osgood. Gag-a-minute Osgood? Sometimes I've wanted to. <laughs> Miss Brooks, is that really you standing there? I think so, Mr. Conklin. Why do you ask? Because you suddenly look so different, so intelligent. <laughs> Miss Brooks, I've made up my mind. You are now head of the Madison High English Department. Well, thank you, fun-loving Osgood. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put this wonderful tree where it belongs, right in the center of the room. Give me a hand, Boynton. Oh, yes, sir, Mr. Conklin. I'll just take this hand here and... Uh... 
Miss Brooks. Yes, Mr. Boynton? Come here, baby. <laughs> what? I said, come here, Connie. You did not. You said, come here, baby, and I'm here. <laughs> He's taking her over to the mistletoe. Oh, isn't it wonderful? Well, 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 what are you going to do, Mr. Boynton? Now, just call me Phil, Connie. And this is what I'm going to do. that make you feel? Oh, I feel like I'm in a dream, Philip. A wonderful, beautiful dream. Well, what's that? Mr. Boynton, where did you go? Where is everybody? Oh, I must have been dreaming. Well, that's real enough. I'll be right there. Oh, sorry, Minerva. I didn't mean to drop you. Surprise! Surprise! I'm cold. <laughs> Why, it's the Conklins and Walter and Mr. Boynton. But you all just left. Uh, I mean, come in. We thought it would be nice if we spent our Christmas Eve together, Miss Brooks. Yes, and we've brought a few little gifts over for you. I'll just put them under this tree here. Yes, do that, Walter. Uh, aren't you going to ask me why I didn't go upstate, Miss Brooks? I know why, Mr. Boynton. Your folks are coming down to see you. Well, how did you know about that? I just got the telegram. Uh, don't let's get too carried away with the holidays to prepare for the hard school season ahead, Miss Brooks. Oh, let's yeah. not talk about school affairs now, Osgood. Walter, look at the mistletoe. Yeah. Look at it. Now, just a minute. Before we go through all that again, <laughs> would you please touch that tree, Mr. Boynton? The one on the left with the... Why, it's gone. There's only one tree. Miss Brooks, are you all right? Of course I'm all right. Could I have dreamt that part, too? Uh, Mr. Boynton, would you do me a favor, please? Of course, Miss Brooks. What is it? Would you touch the Christmas tree? Touch it? But... Please, it's important. Oh, all right. There. Nothing happened. Well, what did you expect would happen? A miracle. Oh, excuse me. I'll be right back. Oh, well, I'm a little urchin, and I'm selling magic Christmas trees. But you just... Please buy one, lady. They only cost 50 cents apiece. 50 cents? That's right. Here's two dollars. Give me four of them. <laughs> All over the studio here, there are happy signs of Christmas. Bits of red and green, holly, and some imaginative person even hung some mistletoe in the control room. Must remember to drop in there after the show. <laughs> but the Christmas spirit is even more evident in the faces of our cast. We join in wishing you a Merry Christmas. Yes, Jeff Chandler and Gail Gordon, Jane Morgan, Virginia Gordon, Dick Crenna, Gloria McMillan, Jeffrey Silver our writer-director, Al Lewis, and our producer, Larry Burns, our conductor, Wilbur Hatch, and all the others on the R. Miss Brooks show. And we're gathered here to say, may this be the most joyous of the holidays for all of you. For mystery liberally sprinkled with laughs, listen to Mr. and Mrs. North, the exciting, fun-packed adventures of an amateur detective and his beautiful wife. Tune in Tuesday evening over most of these same stations. And be with us again next week at this same time for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Bob Lamont speaking. This is the Old Time Radio Hour on Sid Valley Radio. When the blue of the night meets the gold of the day. Someone waits for me. This is Ken Carpenter welcoming you. Produced and transcribed in Hollywood with John Scott Trotter, his chorus and orchestra, the charioteers, 
Skitch Henderson and starring Bing Crosby. As is Bing's custom at Christmas time, he opens the program with Adesti Fidelis. And as usual, he will sing it first in Latin, and then with the studio audience joining him, singing it in English. Yes, Ken, I, I think it would be very fitting if our guests here would join in a chorus. Come all ye faithful. Bing, I think it'd be nice if the home folks, the folks listening in all over the world, would join in, too. Oh, it would indeed. Gather round, folks, wherever you may be, and help us sing this eternal hymn. Adeste Fidelis Lady Triumphantes Venite, venite In Bethlehem Natum Videte Thank you very much. Skitch Henderson has jetted in for the holidays, and he now joins me in Mel Torme and Bob Wells' musical Christmas card, the Christmas song. Art ready, Lyle? open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by a choir and folks dressed up like Eskimos everybody knows a turkey and some mistletoe help to make this season bright. Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow will find it hard to sleep tonight. They know that Santa Lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh And every mother's child is gonna spy To see if reindeer 
really know how to fly. And so I'm offering this simple phrase to kids from one to ninety-two. Although it's been said many times, many ways, Merry Christmas to Christmas program without jingle bells, it'd be like Christmas without mistletoe or something. We're prepared. We're not going to disappoint you because John Scott Trotter has assembled a bouncy version of this perennial favorite. Looking at my libretto here, I see there are parts for the charioteers, the vocal groups, kitsch, and oh, yes, Crosby catches a cadenza or two. Matter of fact, I open the affair vocally. Roll them, John. Jingle, 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 jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh. O'er the fields we go, laughing all the way. Bells on bobtails ring, making spirits bright. What fun it is to ride and sing a sleighing song tonight. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells.
Esther, in that little number just fractured, the vocal group and the charioteurs threw in 8,482 jingles and never dropped a jingle. Kind of vocal work will give you a lower plate wobble, I guess. And now, here's the Philco man with a sprig or two of vocal holly, hmm? And a hunk of mistletoe to you, Bing, from your ever-loving sponsor. Say, the goose really hangs high here tonight. Mm-hmm. What's your Christmas Eve message for 1947, kid? Just the season's greetings to our friends everywhere. That's wonderful. Let's parlay that with a happy new year for 1948. Yes, sincere good wishes for the Yuletide in the coming year. My, my, we're certainly full of greetings tonight, aren't we? Nothing to sell? Not a thing. Isn't this sensational? Oh, the halcyon days are here on radio, aren't they? <laughs> Jolly Noel from us all. White Christmas could stand one last delivery before the season ends. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas just like the ones I used to know. The treetops listen, and children listen to hear sleigh bells in the snow. Charles Taswell's Christmas play, The Small One. A story for those who like Christmas and small donkeys. The same winter sun that dances on the winter snows up north sprawls indolently at ease in the thick white dust of El Camino del Norte, Old Mexico. A passerby, weary from the heat, has paused to rest in the cool, dripping shade of a pepper tree and has dropped off to sleep. He's suddenly awakened by the shrill voice of Pablo, aged ten, who stands with bare brown legs wide apart in the center of the road and bitterly addresses a small, discouraged, disreputable donkey. A donkey? A donkey you call yourself a stupid old fine animal with four stout legs, one on each corner, a most splendid tail to shoo off the flies and a most handsome head stuck in the front to point the way you're going. I see. And what use do you make of this excellent equipment the good God has given you? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. You're a disgrace to all the donkeys of Mexico, of all the world, of all... Pablo. See? Oh, buenos dias. I did not know that... What's all the commotion here, young man? What, What has the poor beast done that you should be so angry? But nothing. Well, then why are you... Then that is all he wants to do, ever... Here it is, but two days until Christmas, when a load of wood could be sold in the village to buy gifts and a candle. But does that matter to this one? No, he cares for nothing, but nothing. (laughs) Well, a donkey's a donkey, Pablo. They're all the same. But why? Why of all beasts should a donkey be so, so stubborn? Stubborn? Oh, no, Pablo, that's wrong. But he's always... I know, I know, everyone says they are. They curse them and they belabor their backs with sticks and they call them stupid, but... That's because they don't know the truth about little donkeys. 
the truth? Yes. It's really not stubbornness, but pride that makes small donkeys so, well, so aloof. No wind, sun, rain, pain, or adversity can touch them. You see, their pride is a shield against all the discomforts man or the elements can offer. But what is a donkey to be proud of? Oh, a great deal, Pablo. Bring your small beast over here in the shade. I'll explain. Come along, Cupido. Listen. Listen, Pablo, do you hear that? Only a small donkey can make that sound with his hoofs as he walks on the stones of the road. No other beast can do it. Sit down. Sit down, my son. Si, senor. Now, as I was saying, people are all wrong about small donkeys. A very long time ago, a great honor came to one of them, an honor so great that it lifted him and all his descendants to an exalted place. A place that you or I or, or all the world might envy. Ever since that time, every small donkey has been content to stand and drowse in the sun or the shade. For he alone of all animals, of all men, has already fulfilled his destiny. His destiny, yes, senor? Yes, You see, once upon a time, there was a small donkey. He was 14 unhappy years old, and he had worked hard and long for at least twice 14 masters. He was battered and scarred, and he presented the most distressful appearance. His tail was not but a piece of limp rope unraveled down at the end. One of his ears stood straight up like a cactus plant, while the other hung drooping like a wilted cabbage leaf. His off hind leg had a decided stiffness. What was his name? They called him the small one. His latest master was a woodcutter who also owned four younger and therefore stronger donkeys, but small one was the special charge of the woodcutter's son. It was the boy who saw to it that small one always had dry straw for his bed. And that the load of wood to be carried to the town was not too heavy for small ones aging back. One day the woodcutter called his son to him. He said, Son? Yes, father? I have a task for you to do in the town, son. A load of wood? No. I wish you to take this donkey, the one you call the small one, to a shop just inside the town gates. I have already spoken to the owner. He'll give you a piece of silver in exchange for the beast. You mean... Oh, you don't mean you're going to sell, small one. He can no longer do his share of the work. Even when carrying half the load the other donkeys carry, his worn-out legs tremble and his sides work like a bellows. But he'll be strong as the others soon. Will you wait and see? Give him a few weeks Enough. And... An old donkey is of little use. One day he might drop dead on us up in the hills, a total loss. Better to take a piece of silver and say good riddance to the beast. You will start at once. You hear? Yes. Yes, Father. The shop you will take him to is the second one on the left as you pass through the gates in town. The second? But that's the tanners. And what of that? The small one's hide is old, but it will make good leather. But he's been faithful. He's worked hard. He's done his best. And you can't sell him to the tanners to be killed. Come now. I'll have no tears. No crying over a miserable donkey. Perry, be off with you. And take good care not to lose that piece of silver on the way home. So, Pablo, the small boy and the small donkey began their sorrowful journey into town. The boy was heartbroken. He cried for a while. And then he tried desperately to think of some way to save his friend. The sound of the small one's hoofs on the road seemed to say over and over again, going to the tanners, going to the tanners. Suddenly it came to the boy's mind that there was a horse market in the town. If he could sell the small one to some new and kind master, the little donkey would still live, and yet the father would also have his piece of silver. Well, it was early afternoon when the boy and the small one passed through the town gates and down the narrow, twisted streets to the marketplace. the bit at 50. 50! 50 it is. We'll make it 51. Come, come, my friends. Are you going to let such an animal go for so paltry a sum? Uh, please, sir, would you like to buy a fine donkey? What? What'd you say, boy? This small donkey, he's for sale. They're strong and willing. The price is very cheap, but one piece... No, of I don't want to buy a donkey. Be off with you. 60! 60! 
Six speeds there is. That's more like it. You are here 62. Will someone say 62? Come, come, my friend. You'll never again get such a fine horse for so little cash. Look at the proud head. See the flowing mane. Excuse me, please. This small donkey's for sale. Would you what like What is to... it you want, boy? Uh, this fine animal, he can be bought for only one piece of silver. Isn't that a great saving? They're bidding 60 for the horse, and I know he can't do half the work a small one. Look, he's very... Go gentle. away. Don't bother me. Oh, but he's... Go away. I'll take a stick to book you back. And now, my friend, I'm... Hey, you try to sell this small donkey? Go away, boy. Oh, but he's a very valuable animal. He's not nearly as old as he looks. It's just because he's worked so hard. And the the one that doesn't stand up straight as a donkey should. Well, that was the fault of a careless master, not his own. He eats very little, and he's terribly strong. This is a horse and... market, boy. We've no time to waste on donkeys. But a small donkey would take such a small time. <laughs> all right, all right, my boy, if you insist. My friend! My friend! A great bargain I have to offer you. The proud owner terms it a donkey. But it appears to me to be an animated pile of shaking bones. <laughs> you can see how the moths have been at the hide. And the tail, is it a tail? Or is it the stub of a broom worn out from sweeping the courtyard? <laughs> A true museum piece, my friends. Moldy with age and loose in the joints. <laughs> He's not. He is not. Ah, but it is not seemly to laugh, my friend, because the owner assures me that this animal is fine enough to share a stall with the king's horses. <laughs> Stop. He shan't make fun of him. Maybe... Maybe he's not as handsome as your animals, but he's better. He's a lot better. Small one deserves to be in a king's stable. All right, all right, boy. Take your donkey and move along. We've got business to attend to. Hurry up. Off with you. Now that we've had our fun and disposed of the king's donkey... My friends, I want to call your attention. And so the boy and the little beast left the marketplace, Pablo... The hours were slipping swiftly by, and the boy knew he must start soon for home, and that he must have the piece of silver to give to his father. He tried stopping people on the street. He inquired from door to door, but no one wanted to buy a small, tired donkey. The sun was sinking fast when he came at last back to the town gates, and he stood before the tanner's door. The boy's face was tear-streaked. The small one's head drooped so low that his limp ear almost touched the ground. The boy said goodbye to his small friend, and he asked forgiveness for what he had to do, and there was understanding in the little donkey's eyes. And then, just as the boy was lifting the latch of the tanner's door, a voice spoke to him. My son? Yes? Yes, sir? I have a great favor to ask. Are you the owner of that small donkey? Oh, oh, yes, sir. I have a long journey to make. My wife is not well... I have great need of a strong, gentle animal to carry her safely. Well, small one's very strong and very trustworthy. Yes, I can see. Would you sell him to me? Yes. Oh, yes, sir. But for one piece of silver. One piece of silver? Is that too much, sir? Too much? Oh, no. A very reasonable price for such a beautiful animal. He, he's not very beautiful, but... But he's good. Yes, yes, I can see that. I'll be kind to him. I promise you that. Well, then he'll work so hard to please you. Here's your piece of silver. Come, small one. Do you mind... Do you mind if I come as far as the town gates? You see, the small one and not I... Not at all, not at all. You'll want to say goodbye to him, of course. You can do that while I see my wife safely on his back. Here we are. Easy, small one. Goodbye, small one. You must be very faithful, and it isn't forever, you know. When I grow up and earn many pieces of silver, I'll buy you back, and you'll have a fine stable and, and nothing to do at all but sleep and eat. Won't that be nice, small one? All right, my son. We're ready to go. Wait, traveler. 
Yes, soldier? I must make out the record before you can pass through the town gates. Who are you? My name is Joseph. And your wife? They call her Mary. Your destination? Bethlehem. Pass? Come, small one. Goodbye, son. Goodbye. Goodbye, small one. Be gentle and sure of foot. And carry her safe to Bethlehem. Pablo, the small one, traveled the many weary miles to Bethlehem. There in a stable which became a king's stable, he saw a king born, a king of men, of centuries, of life, of death. Yes, the small one's tired old eyes saw the shepherds and the wise men who came to pay homage to his small master. And he heard the voices of angels rejoicing, singing, singing the very same notes his hoofs had rung out on the stones of the road. Then it came to pass that all those who had laughed at his ragged coat, his limping gait, and his drooping ear, they all envied the small one, for he was part of a great miracle. It was a long, long time ago, Pablo, my son, but today all small donkeys stand and they dream, especially at Christmas time. They dream of the small one. Small one of Bethlehem. The Old Time Radio Hour will be back next Sunday, at 4 o'clock. We hope you can join us, here on Sid Valley Radio.